Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sam Wolfson. Welcome to the Vice UK podcast. Here's two things I've been thinking about. Number one, it's been a really good year for music. There's been Kanye and Frank Ocean and the rise and rise of grime. Another thing I've been thinking about is that it's been a really shit year for new music. All the successes have been of acts that started in 2014 or before, you know, the likes of Grimes or Stormzy or Novelist, who we're going to be talking to later. All the new acts, the acts that have come out in the last couple of years, have gone nowhere. The two biggest selling debut albums of this year were Zayn Malik and Jack Garrett. And between the two of them, they sold less copies this year than Rick Astley's new album did. Joined by Novelist, as I mentioned, as well as MIA, Global Superstar, Colin Roberts, Music Manager, and Laura Doggett, Singer. That's going to be our focus this week for the whole episode. We're talking about the future of music. We're going to get going now. We're heading to the Old Blue Last, Vice's Pub, where we're joined by Angus from Thump and Emma from Noisy to talk about what's been going on in new music this week. was the Mercury Prize on Thursday night. Overall, I think Vice and Noisy have been quite critical of the prize in previous years. There's been a lot of quite questionable records on there, things like Ben Howard, I feel like, was on there one year. How do you think this year's nominations compared to previous years? I think it was a pretty all-around solid list this year, to be honest. Like You kind of had Anoni and just a good spread of people that represented lots of different... Do you think that the list should have something from like every genre? Is that what the Mercury Prize is supposed to be about? I don't know. It's, either, it's usually often felt like it's either too mainstream or too underground or too tokenistic. And this has kind of felt like they've fairly accurately represented the industry as a whole. I think that one of the other faults in previous years has been that when they've tried to do underground, it's been this very like six musicy daddy version of what like underground or experimental is. It's all experimental. Ghost yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about ghost fire. Oh, okay, fine. Yeah. I'm talking about ghost fire. It's that very. It's the idea of the underground. The experimental is something a bit kooky. Something that maybe like yeah, your dad listens to whilst he's like on his nice stereo in the other room whilst your mum watches Bake Off. Like it's that kind of experimental. Whereas I feel this year they hit on artists and albums that have elicited a response in the real world like that actually people cared about and were talking about things that people cared about which i think is the, is the crucial difference so you know there were records that had a place in in the world 
Yeah, I think they've done that to a larger extent. I mean, there's still like a Bat for Lashes record on there for some reason and a Laura Mamvula yeah, third know. record on there. But yes, they, they have. Couple. They have, It does seem to be more reflective of the music that people are talking about. Skepta was the winner in a really adorable moment. I think him <laughs> coming up on stage seemed like he was very chuffed about it. Were you guys chuffed about it? Do you think that was the right call? Konnichiwa isn't necessarily an album I'm actually like hands down crazy about. I don't know if I will come out of mm. this year thinking it's the best album that's been released. Mm. But I certainly think that as a gesture and an important gesture for the Mercury's to make about British music. I mean, that's a weird thing to say about awards, isn't it? It's like, that's what people say about every year. Oh, they've got to make this gesture. Or they've got to make this gesture. Yeah, but then I feel like obviously that's what award ceremonies are. It's like with the Oscars, the, the best film that year barely ever wins it. It's like you have to let, oh, Leo gets his year this year, like Home Brothers get. That's obviously pushing it to an extreme. But I feel like award ceremonies aren't ever going to be objectively saying this was the greatest like thing that was made this year. Therefore, it is quite important for like the Mercury's to say, this is our statement about British music in this year, and we're going to celebrate Skepta's album which I think is really important because he's exactly he represents exactly the sort of artist that they've neglected pretty much since they gave Dizzy the award like what 10 yeah. years before I feel like Skepta winning with Kenichiwa is like it's like the right artist but not necessarily the right album it's like Leonardo DiCaprio winning, winning an Oscar for The Revenant yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean yeah. okay so obviously there's a lot of critically acclaimed exciting artists around but this week on Noisy, we seem to be focusing on two artists who, for some people, might be a bit of a novelty, um, Sean Paul and Craig David. Emma, okay, so you went on a date with him. I did. This is for the Noisy First Date series. Yes. Which I invented. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thank you for that. <laughs> talk me through, like, what's, what's it like to chirp Sean Paul? I was actually quite nervous for once. I don't really... Normally, the first dates kind of take... The, the fact that it's framed as a date kind of almost takes the pressure off in a way because you can ask those weird personal questions and they won't think that you're a freak and mm. walk out of the room because <laughs> it's kind of part and parcel of the point of the piece. He told me that he had his first snog at the drive-in watching The Fly... So, really? Yeah. Not a classic romantic snog movie, The Fly. It's not. Does Sean Paul see himself as like a really serious artist? People come to Sean Paul for the vocals, I think, more than anything else. He can, it's like that Sia track, like he can kind of do his thing over most styles and you'll be able to recognize his voice and you'll be able to recognize what he's doing. I was kind of asking him if he has any, like, if he's picky about who he works with, because I know that he's kind of like criticized Drake and Bieber and those kind of artists for uh, dabbling in dancehall but then not really crediting back where like uh, back to the original artists but yeah he basically just said that if someone sends him a beat and he likes the beat he'll sing on it does he know like when he features on Little Mix or whatever has he like ever heard that song or he didn't it... he had no idea who Little Mix were before someone approached him asking if he wanted to be on that track but he just thought that the track was banging so he was like yeah sure right and then he just does it presumably that's, that's in, like, literally his minutes. criteria is if he likes the rhythm then he's then he'll DTF. just do it for the last like 10 years or whatever I don't think his albums have done like amazingly well but now he's like right. cresting a wave again because yeah. because dancehall rhythms have come back around so People and are turning to Sean Paul because they know how good he is at that. So <laughs> That seems like solid reasoning. Yes. <laughs> and Angus, you spent... A, wait, what happened? You spent some time with Craig David, basically. Yeah, you know how I do. 
basically because like, Craig David started like fanboying you about a year ago is that right yeah well no essentially like, me and Craig have been friends for about a year now but it started a year <laughs> ago because I wrote a piece about Craig David saying that he was due a comeback and it was going to happen and then lo and behold just after I wrote that Craig David had a massive comeback and I obviously can't say that it was like totally my responsibility but it was largely my responsibility <laughs> more than 80% more than 80 more than 80% <laughs> pushing like 85 86 maybe finally this summer I got the chance to actually like go and meet him in Ibiza of all places and we had a very heartwarming conversation where he was actually just like so appreciative he's like the only person I've ever written about the only artist I've ever written about who's like got in touch and just been like I really appreciate this like that's really nice of you what's his vibe because I even from a distance, having never spoken to him, I find him quite intense. <laughs> like, I find it like he's invading my personal yeah, space. Yeah, he's little. super sincere. Like, he's so sincere. Like, every single thing he said, like, he talks in, like, platitudes, uh, just in terms of, like, um, talks about how he's following his intuition and how, like, he feels young he's ever felt and, like, how focused he is and how real the world is right now. And, like, normally if someone said that to you, you might feel like they were being a bit insincere or like they were just talking from a press release but it's true like that's the maddest thing he's just actually I think he actually just thinks and behaves and treats the world like that like he is just moving through life in this like hyper real sincere ultra beast mode where just everything <laughs> is achievable and he can do anything it's quite like it's quite amazing to spend some time with him because he's just like totally like firing I mean were I'm you following his Instagram like for like oh, years yeah. before his his revival came back again because he would just post loads of pictures of himself at the gym with loads of slogans over the top and mantras yeah. and I feel like that's crept into his approach to I music think, now. I think it's good that he's like <laughs> back making music more solidly because I feel all that energy was going into the gym before yeah. like he was developing like he was almost getting too hench like he had like bits like muscles that were developing yeah, in like yeah, strange yeah, places yeah. so it's quite good now that he's like f fully focused on making Found music. It inspirational. It's a similar thing isn't it to the Sean Paul scenario of like he's back now and everyone just loves him even though he had a mm. period of yeah. Yeah. not being loved no absolutely and I just think the world's in a better place though I think everyone's <laughs> so much more obviously no, the world famously isn't in a better place right now but I mean specifically for uh, respecting stuff like garage dance hall like generally I feel like everyone's more willing to take artists like Sean Paul and Craig David um, on serious terms and not even though you did say earlier that they're both great house party like artists I think maybe we're slightly beyond the patch where they were like exclusively that. There maybe was a period where they were just like fun music to be played at a house party, whereas maybe now people are a bit more appreciative of what they contributed to their various scenes. I'm amazed at the space Craig David is in now. He can go on One Extra, Radio One, Radio Two, This Morning with Holly and Fern, X Factor, like Grime Daily, Link Up, like anything. It yeah. doesn't matter what it is. He like fits right in and he's everyone loves him and they're happy that he's there. Yeah. I can't think of anyone else who's like that broad and celebrated. No, and the maddest thing is also there are people who are discovering his music now who don't know that he he brought out like an album ten years ago. Like there are people who are like, Who's this Craig David kid? <laughs> like they think that there's like some new like sixteen year old kid on the scene called Craig David and they don't know that it's a thirty five year old man. Yeah. <laughs> until <laughs> until they, they see him. They do find out. Yeah. Okay, well as you may have heard, novelist is here now. I guess one of the things that I've been investigating a little bit over the last couple of weeks is an issue in the music industry launching new acts like even though it's been such a good year for music and loads of artists that we really like have done well and we were just talking about Skepta and the Mercury's and all of that actually 
for launching new artists, like artists who have emerged in the last year or two, onto kind of commercial success, things have taken a real nosedive in terms of the number of like new artists releasing debut albums, new artists getting signed, new artists getting in the charts. I've been talking to a few people about that, including a music manager, Colin Roberts, MIA, Global Superstar, and a recently signed singer called Laura Doggett about the ways the music industry is changing. So gonna hear a bit of that and then talk to novelist and Angus Emma about what's going on. I'm Colin Roberts. Uh, I'm an artist manager at Big Life Management. Uh, I work with acts including Block Party and some breaking acts including Wills. So for the first eight years of my job, we would find things, they would get record deals, compared to how it is now it's it was great this year the british music industry has broken i would suggest two acts at a push in britain those acts are jack garrett and dua lipa right jack garrett He's playing to, to massive audiences. He's a great artist, but I don't know if I would call him a pop star in the most traditional sense. And I think in a, in a, a music industry 15 years ago, he would have been a really well-respected left-of-centre artist, perhaps in the vein of somebody like Beck, who wouldn't be expected to be the big white hope. But then you look at everything else that was on the sound pole. It's not like people aren't trying, you know. Blossom's had a number one album, but in real terms... It was, I think it was about 20,000 albums. It's like, if you went and, get and showed that to somebody in, in 2006, they would cry. That was Colin Roberts, music manager, and I think he really gets to the crux of the issue, is that although there are a lot of new acts coming around and you wouldn't really notice that there's a, a struggle in new music, as soon as you compare it to a decade ago, then you start to see what a huge drop-off there's been. He mentioned Jack Garrett. There's an artist who's had loads of marketing, loads of spend, and when it actually came to him releasing his album, it went in at number 12 and then dropped out the charts completely. Izzy Bizu, another artist who had the kind of things Garrett had, BBC Soundpoll, Brit's Critics' Choice, loads of marketing. Her album came out a couple of weeks ago, it went in at 20 and then dropped out the charts completely. I think it sold around 2,000 copies. Something huge has changed. And maybe one of the reasons for that is that there is now this big elite of artists. Drake had a number one song all summer long. There was no one that could challenge him. Now you could argue that's because it was a really good song, or you could argue because music has coalesced around this small group of artists so much that there's no room for anyone else. Here's MIA. It's like on the top of the pyramid, there's about five artists and they basically take all of everything else and suck it up. We've figured out how to press the green button on a record to get the maximum impact and hits and sales, but it can only work on, on that level of of, of pop musicians who are like super brands that are politically charged. You know, they're supported by like Hillary Clinton. Because for example, Radiohead were huge, right? They were as huge as Kanye. How is that possible? All of those outlets that supported Radiohead now support Kanye. And they don't have room for Radiohead. You know, so like Pitchfork or Vice and all of these people that would support a weird fucking like rock artist. Yeah. Now they all back the same thing. It's like yeah. you have to back Coca-Cola, Nike and Kanye. 
Yeah, that's all we ever write about advice. Coca-Cola, Nike and Kanye. Here's Colin again. My worry is that the dominance of these giant American artists that you can't get anywhere near means that actually getting something into that space where it goes from, you know, the Shepherds Bush Empire and having a devoted fan base to a wider audience is almost impossible because the streaming chart informs what the radio plays so the radio plays then inform what people stream because the biggest place that people get the idea of what they're going to go and type into Spotify is what they hear on the radio. Everyone in the music industry seems obsessed with radio and the influence it has on breaking acts. Why is it such a big deal? We spoke to Laura Doggett, who's one of those artists who got signed to a major label after a lot of hype for one of her tracks. And she talks about the way that radio can influence everything else in her career. Take your time as a new artist. Make those bad first albums. Make those like arty things. Take that journey in yourself and you'll get there. And that's true with all of the greats. Their third or fourth album on it. And that's what we're not allowed to do. We were going really well into my first album campaign this time last year. And I've just been on Jules Holland and had a good sync with Broadchurch on ITV over Christmas. I was due to headline the introducing stage at BBC Radio 1's Big Weekend, which I did. Um, but just before that, we released a song called Into the Glass, like May, May time last year. And basically, radio were like, we love Laura, but we're not going to play this. And that's fine. Like, for me, that was fine. But for the label, it was a big problem, and they stopped the whole campaign and said, you need to write us hit songs. I tried to write them a bunch of hits. Like, they sent me to LA, sent me everywhere. And then in January, they said, Laura, after a summer of writing, they were like, Laura, who are you? You're not the artist I signed. I don't know how to market this anymore. And I was like, I didn't want to change. Like, I did that to try and facilitate you. It's nothing new that artists are getting signed and then things don't work out or they're having fights with their labels. But how big of a problem is it actually now in 2016? Here's Colin again with the last word. If we don't allow new artists to break through, we'll run out of festival headliners. We'll be in a, p a place in 25 years where all the artists that we care about now will either be old or dead and we'll suddenly go, oh shit, we haven't got any new music. And to me, that's what's critical about this. Maybe we're just seeing the tremors now of an earthquake that's actually going to change everything in music. Here's Novelist. Well, like, what are you doing to the artist? Like, did you really care about them? If you did care about them, you wouldn't tell them to do a service for your purpose. You'd try and get their great art out even if it didn't make the sales that you wanted, at least you put a product in the air and that, that actually sounds good. You know what I mean? And I feel like something may not blow up at first. It may blow up after five years because someone puts it in a movie or whatever. Give things time. But if it sounds good, that's undeniable. And the people who will appreciate it will probably be the vast majority. I mean, if I was being completely like contrarian, I'd say there's obviously no harm in like pop music in like its most pop sense obviously we're not talking about like what Nov does and stuff like that but like proper like pop music then yeah maybe if like Heart doesn't want to play it then <laughs> it's not gonna be a massive like pop song that mm. summer but I think the issue much more with this instant is is like why is the instruction being given to go away and write hits like that yeah. to me is like where the weird that's where the Madness. communication breaks down happens because it's like they're they're 
is no formula obviously for these sorts of things like if you look at what have been like the biggest heaters over the last like couple of years like look at like cheerleader which suddenly went absolutely nuts like that was one of the biggest <laughs> songs like yeah who would have thought that like an edm remix of of you know that that song would have suddenly like burst through and become like one of the biggest songs you never know what's going to be a hit yeah. exactly like, or how people are going to receive it it just might touch someone else who's influential's nerve and then they tweet mm. about it then everyone's like, oh, you know what I'm saying? I've seen things catch a fire mm. online. Yeah. And you think, how on earth was that even flammable? You've obviously, you know, seen different sides of the music industry in the last couple of years. Everything, basically. Yeah? Yeah. And you must have had offers from labels and all of this kind of thing. And then a couple of weeks ago, you said, not going to do any of that going to do it just with my team on my own yeah what was your kind of process of thinking behind that and how's it going to work now um i've i've seen how the labels operate with artists i've seen how like management teams work i've seen how um having your own personal manager works like, i've seen certain things and i've seen how just having a pa works by itself and i said i need to collate my own team rather than going to organizations that are already standing. I need to have people that look at my life as valuable as their own. So in, in a sense that if I don't work hard for this person, I am not getting paid. Or we're just not gonna get to the goal that we are all heading for. Do you know what I'm saying? So that's why I said, well, I'm gonna be independent and I've just started my own label. I'm gonna be releasing my own music. The more work they do for me is the more work they'll have for themselves in the future anyway, because once we set up the label properly and we start signing many artists, that's just more jobs for them to do, more things for them to focus on, you know? And I feel like having your own personal team that you can trust, that you grew up with, is very important. Now, that engine may not work for everyone, but I know for a fact that's what works for me, because every time I've got a glimpse of doing it, things move very rapid for me, things move fast and people bend over backwards to help you, especially when they know that you're in a position where you can't do everything by yourself. And that's where I'm at right now. Do you never worry that if you're picking your own people and you've got your own team, they might not have all the connections to like, you know, that someone at a big label would have, or they might not be able to like, no. get you on jewels or whatever? No, because the music overrides that. The sound of music overrides that people will start to want you. It's not about, the misconception is that the labels make the artists, it's actually the artists making the labels. The labels wouldn't have any work if there was no artists. So you see like all of these links and all of these things, these people, if your music is that good, they will soon find out about you naturally anyway i think that maybe 10 years ago people at the labels were the creative people and yeah. they were doing what basically a manager does now and maybe managers weren't that creative 10 years ago they were more like yeah you need to be here you need to be here and it was the ars doing the creative thing yeah. and i think what's changed is because artists want control and they want to work with teams that they trust and yeah. know the managers become the creative job and, and you know what it's, it's shown that what we was talking about before these so-called links don't matter mm because you'll gain them anyway. Because they need, uh, the actual link, the plug, they need work. So they need to link you. If you're the next hot thing, they're not gonna ignore you. So why is it the label that's in control of whether you meet this person or not? They're not. That's how I look at it. 
certainly music has become way more focused on like this elite group maybe that it was a much bigger group a few years ago and now it really is like everyone's getting so gassed about the Kanye release everyone's getting <laughs> so gassed about the uh, Beyonce release even though there's all this other really exciting stuff going on globally there are these big releases everyone cares about if you want to get into that group do you think the best way to do that is without a label? Is there any way into that group? Oh, it's so funny. It's kind of hard to say because people haven't seen it happen yet. Yeah, exactly. It hasn't happened yet, right? Like yeah. Stormzy is probably the best example of how far someone can go without that traditional infrastructure. Yeah. And he is pretty, like, huge, like... Yeah. Famous. He yeah. can't walk down the street anymore. <laughs> yeah, he definitely can't walk down the street anymore. You have to grind for years. And all of them have. Everyone's trying to get there quickly. Like, Drake's been doing this for ages. Mm. Rihanna's been doing this for ages. Kanye for ages. Beyonce for ages. If you want to become one of those guys, you might have to just work at the same rate you're working at very hard for the next 10 years. Mm. And then you'll be one of those guys. Maybe not with them, but there's going to be a next generation of elite group. There always is. Maybe you got to sleep with one of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or something. I don't, but I don't know why everyone's fighting to get there. If you're talking about what you want out of your career and your life, you look at a Jerry or someone like that and you're like, nice. nice. I bumped into him yesterday when I looked in his cart. <laughs> he's got a mad screen in his car. I was like, this guy is just the same as me, but he's just enjoying his life in a way that he wants to. Why does anyone want anything more than that? If you want more than that, then you're going to have to compromise and do things that you wouldn't naturally do. And maybe that's what the people at the top have done. You know, that's how it always has been, right? That there have been elite artists and then new people come through and they become the elite artists. But what has really changed in the last two years is that people aren't getting to that first level in the same way they were. I know we talk about some exceptions and what's going on in grime and what's going on in independent scenes, and that is great. But the two biggest debut albums this year are by Zayn Malik and by Jack Garrett. And together, they have not sold as many copies as the Rick Astley, new Rick Astley album. I kind of feel a bit like maybe what's happening at the moment is there's, there's we've cut out a middle rung, essentially. It feels like there's there's that middle ground where people like Jack Garrett maybe would have been able to make some sales, where like Keen would have sat like a few <laughs> years ago and stuff like that. But like that kind of doesn't exist in the same way. There is this like super elite tier of people like Kanye and Adele and Drake who just like are crazy big. But then you have this really, really healthy underground, completely independent thing going on. And actually the elite artists and the underground artists are communicating with each other absolutely yeah. fine without the help of making labels which kind of gets rid of the need for somebody like Jack Garrett to meld electronic music and indie and be all like cool for like it's impossible you, like you don't need that anymore you don't need a middle of the road artist who's doing underground stuff in a safe way because the underground and the mainstream are talking to each other without the help of anybody else right so you so don't it's need a very that great analysis of, yeah you don't need that kind of bridge yeah it's strong I, I just look at it like some people have the source that everyone's looking for. Now, Adele will come and chill with the mandem. I can't <laughs> see Zayn Malik doing that. No. Do you feel what I'm saying? And I, I don't want to bring it back to the culture, but I feel like there's an underlying tone of they're cool. 
It's like realness, isn't it? Yeah, it it's is. like authenticity. Because that was another thing about Jack Garrett is like I found it really interesting. His whole PR trail, they tried to make him look like super authentic. Like everything he did, they were just so like, it's funny oh, he's just like that. humble, like he ground tried, level. They tried to make him look. Yeah, like. exactly. We shouldn't be having that convo if, it, Why if is he that? really was. Yeah, because we would never say that about though. Yeah, maybe it's going to be a lot more people like Nov and a lot less people like Zayn Malik or Jack Garrett. I mean, maybe they're literally the last two f through the door and even they're barely through the door. At Vice, we did a big survey where we asked people to name the artists that they discovered this year that they fell in love with. And people said Grimes, Christine and the Queens, Tame Impala, Stormzy. Oh, Tame Impala, my favorite. But all of those acts are like f more than four or five years old. And people were saying, oh, I discovered them this year. I feel like they were all incubated in a different, a different time, maybe. Yeah, right. And also all artists that built up their underground credentials and their following and then emerged triumphant into the like mainstream off the back of that. Like none of them are people who got picked up and manufactured and sold none to the them. public. And it comes back to that thing MIA saying about like now you make one good track and Kanye is shouting you out or whatever and then you get all the glare and it's kind of impossible for you to just be like, okay, safe, I'm just gonna stay in like my area and do my thing and wait for another three years until yeah. I'm ready. Or even if it's not impossible, no one does that because people want success and they get now, excited by now it. That's the difference between me and everyone. Cause as I said, I've already been around all these guys and I would, if they was to ever offer me a song, the song would have to sound exactly how I want it to, for, for it to work. But it's never like that with these guys. And that's why people get compromised. Do you feel me? And um. Why are you going to make music in a way that you would have originally made it just because it's a feature or a link up? Doesn't make sense. Mm. Doesn't make no sense. Now, I'm not saying that if you want to really stretch your art, it doesn't even necessarily. Say Drake wanted to make a tune with him, tune with me. I wouldn't get him to spit double time on a Gram song unless it sounded super sick. I might even just get him to put some samples in it you know, of his voice or whatever. It'd still be a Drake feature, you know? But everyone compromises what they would have originally done to fit something new. That's not a real collaboration to me. That's a adhere. That's a, that's a, a, that's when you're adherent. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, sometimes, comp you know, like, to go back to David Barry, I think Heroes was a song that David Barry wrote when the label were like, give us a hit and that's obviously quite a good song um so like <laughs> you know i feel like sometimes you know sometimes people are like just doing their own thing and really involved in what they think they sound like and it's shit do you know what i mean yeah, like yeah, yeah. there's a flip side of it where like sometimes you do need some person well that's why i said focus on sound yeah 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 yeah, yeah. It's difficult. It's a difficult one because it's also it's about like it's not necessarily that that you shouldn't have any outside influence. It's just you need no, the right no. outside influence. Yeah, you need the right. Yeah, it's not don't have any. You need the right and stretch your stretch your abilities to make something that sounds great. That's it. Simple as because if I made a great song with Kanye West, people wouldn't look at me like he's that guy that's on a tune with Kanye. They'll look at Raw. That tune with that guy and Kanye is sick. Yeah, that's the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, thanks very much for coming in. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you very much, man. Bless you. Cheers. Love you guys. And thanks to Angus and Emma too. Cheers. And thanks us. to MIA and Laura and Colin and everyone in the world ever. That was the Vice UK podcast produced by Sam Bonn and Matt Rethink Audio. Thanks very much. See you next week.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. 